This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. morning, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, June 20th. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. I got a bad feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? How do I get Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Welcome back, everybody. As usual, Christy is here the third Tuesday of every month. Hi, Christy. Hi, Glenn. How is everything going? Good. It's so good to talk to you again. And uh, we 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 have a fun. This is my probably one of the most fun shows that we do every year. It is fun. I agree. Unfortunately, we don't have Jennifer with us today because she could definitely contribute to the show. <laughs> but we had the help of our auditors. So I will tell everybody what we're going to be doing today. It is Gripe Day. No, actually, it's Pet Peeves Day. We do a Pet Peeves, an annual Pet Peeves episode with Christy once a year, talking about all the pet peeves that horse people have. And we can relate to most of these. Yes, and I'll tell you, there's some that involve tack, some that involve barn drama, some that involve riding, ground handling. It, the list is plentiful. We got help from our auditors who <laughs> were very helpful in this one. And then you also got help from from your trainers, right? Yes, a bunch of our CHA instructors hopped on our group page and went to town. They like sharing. Yeah, instructors have pet peeves, too. <laughs> so so we're going to get some help. Who, who's our guest later on? Later on, we've got Joanne Young, and she is one of our master instructors. She lives in uh, Houghton, New York, and runs Houghton College. So she's coming at it from a professor's standpoint, uh, which I think is good, too. And college <laughs> kids. Yes. <laughs> That's its own set of issues. <laughs> That's right. So it'll be fun for her to be on today. We're excited. Well, we're going to get started right away this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with our auditor pet peeves. And then we're going to get uh, Joanne on a little later. And we're going to do the instructor pet peeves. So it'll kind of be the pet peeves from the students, which will be most of our auditors, and then the instructors. And we'll see how those two differ. <laughs> uh-huh they yeah. might differ and then there might be some crossover and similarities i have a feeling glenn i am sure i am sure especially when we get to boarding parts there's i think there's going to be a lot of crossover there now uh, before we start before yeah. we start can i start with my number one pet peeve in the whole wide world that makes me crazy oh yeah we, uh, sure <laughs> and it was so funny because one of your auditors put it down not as a pet peeve she did it the way that i don't like it oh. so my pet peeve <laughs> is this to everybody you do not worm your horses and you do not give them wormer. 
You deworm your horses and you give them dewormer. I'm guilty. I'm oh, guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I feel guilty. so much better getting off that. Getting that off my chest. I am guilty. I am guilty. But I'm a horse husband, so I have an excuse. There you go. Fair enough. <laughs> You're right. It is deworming. But everybody says worming. Yes. And you are not wanting to give your horse worms. That is a really bad idea. <laughs> Were you in Pony Club? Because that really sounds Pony Club. You know that, right? <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, very, very, you know, instructor emerge now in CHA. I wear the underwear. You have to understand that with our people, right? Anything unsafe, anything not correct, I get, well, Christy, you know, it actually is this. And I say, you're right. And this one is one that makes me crazy. So I'm glad to be able to say it. Well, um, you know what, uh, Sheldon, we can go on from here now. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you watch Big Bang? Yes, yeah. love it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jennifer thinks I'm Sheldon all the time, so. Uh-huh. I can see moments of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Good wormer girl. <laughs> all right, what's the next one? All right, so this one I think is so, so true. People who they don't warm up or cool down their horses, they just put them away all sweaty. And to be honest with you, it doesn't just look not appealing when you don't brush them off and take care of all those saddle marks. But it also really isn't very good for your horse, especially if they don't have an opportunity to move around. Let's say you keep them in a stall. You can actually make them even possibly colic or have some illness from that. So I think that that's also a pet peeve that's tied to actually caring for our horses correctly. That's well, I have, I, you know, uh, regular listeners will have heard this story. It wasn't too long ago, maybe two months ago, we went out to Florida Horse Park. And Florida Horse Park's big and beautiful, and, and there's a lot of trail riders go out there, as well as there was, like, always shows going on. So we went out there, and we parked over where nobody was. So we'd have this nice little spot. We had we had Scooter along, and Nigel was along. I had the cart, and we were going out for a nice, quiet day. And as soon as we get the horses out, where you're kind of committed, right? And we get, and we get the cart off the truck. Um, this the the redneck group from hell pulls in right beside us, and they get their horses out. And the Uh-oh. way they warm them up is taking them out at a dead gallop, no trot, no canter. They just gallop off from the oh. trailers. They gallop all the way across the oh. field, gallop all the way back, and that was their warm-up. And then they they fooled around a whole lot, making a whole lot of noise and commotion over there. And, of course, they had a golf cart. They had a long, and <laughs> it was just something else. And then uh, when we got back, we thought, oh, we got to avoid this group while we're out. And, of course, they kept coming toward us, and we kept avoiding them. And then uh, we get back, and I said to Jennifer, I God, I hope we get back before they are, because they were kind of freaking our horses out. Um, so we get back to the trailer, and sure enough, aren't they coming back the other direction at the exact same time? One of the horses is being ponied without a um. rider. So they come up being ponied without a rider, and then the ri- the rider right behind has two people on it. The horse right behind has two people. Obviously, the one that got dumped off the ponied horse. <laughs> and then the, the guy gets off of his horse, gets on the horse that was being ponied, obviously the bad one, and just proceeds to run his legs off at a dead gallop across the field for about 20 minutes. Oh, goodness. Brings him back, throws him in the trailer, and off they go. Great. So again, yeah. <laughs> they're in the trailer now, breathing hard, dripping yep. wet with sweat. Yeah, these are all really good things. Yeah, that, that was up, yeah, a disturbing day for us. To, yeah. Just, I well, wanted I to say you. something, but, you know, uh, I 
Right. I didn't. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Hopefully you've never had to see them again, though, right? It was no. a one-time occurrence. No, okay. and the next time we went out there, we were like, oh, God, let's hope that after we park, they don't show up again. So we went to a different spot. <laughs> good, so, and they were not there. They were not there. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, you know, I think a lot of these pet peeves, and this is something that kind of interesting that a lot of people have been saying when we've been asking, whether it's the auditors or CHA instructors or whoever we ask, is education is the key. You know, some people, even if you educate them, they're still going to do the things that they really shouldn't do. But others, really, education is the key. And once you educate them, they go, oh, I never really thought about that possibly hurting my horse. Or, oh, I never really thought about that possibly hurting me. Maybe I'll think about that. So as we go along here, we're going to give solutions for things to be better. So it's pet peeves around the barn and solutions to solve them. I don't know a solution to this example. I just... (laughs) No, they either. Yeah, yeah, that's just who they are. Yeah, exactly. No solution there. Drive away and try and forget about it. Well, and it's a good transition because um, most people, when they started to do some of these pet peeves for us, when we asked them on our pages, um, they're at boarding barns. So mm-hmm. unlike in their own backyard where you kind of have your own entity and you can do what you want, there's a lot of boarding barn pet peeves. And you know, when you get a bunch of people together that all have the same passion, but a different way maybe to execute that passion, stuff can happen. So I love some of these. One of them, and I think this is so true, letting children run around and scream unsupervised around the barn. It was probably my biggest pet peeve when we had our big boarding stable, is they would just literally drop their kids off for the afternoon. And, you know, we were expected to be the babysitters. And Uh we finally had to put an end to that because it was just out of hand. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you, I mean, at one place where I was teaching um, part-time, This is a while back when my kids were, oh, probably, I don't know, seven, nine-ish, and she had a big hay pile, and I hear her screaming, and I go out, and I stop my lesson, and I go out, and I see my kids are climbing up the hay pile, and so the barn owner, you know, felt really bad yelling at my children. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You're fabulous. This is exactly what you should have done, and I looked at my boys, and I go, what is the difference exactly between this hay pile and the one at home? And they look at me and they go, well, the one at home you told us not to get on. You hadn't ever told us that about this one. Boys are great, aren't they? I see. Well, now I am. Do not get on this hay pile. Boys are great. Although Cracking playing in the hay loft was always fun. Was, oh, yeah. yes. That's like, an, that's like a great big jungle gym. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so I think that's a good way. Then another lady, um, Linda, Linda says, road apples left in the arena. And, you know, that's going to be kind of everything, right? I mean, people leaving the round pen looking horrible when they get out of it. People leaving the barn aisle horrible. People leaving the grooming area where they're picking the horse's feet horrible. And really, all this takes, everybody, is a broom. And almost every barn has a broom and a shovel and a rake right there with a little bucket to put it all in. So I Yeah, we kept a muck tub and a a pitchfork. Our arena was a long way from the barn. So we did keep a, a muck tub and a pitchfork up there. Yes. Uh, you know, and, you know, and, and half the people didn't do it because <laughs> yes. uh-huh. they rode their horse back and wouldn't go back up there. So, right. yeah, they never got it done. Yeah, well, this one, thing. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I think this one, Glenn, is really a modern one, but I think it's probably happening more and more. Joy has a great one. She goes, I've watched the girls in the barn tack up their horses, ride them to the middle of the arena and then spend 30 hours texting and Facebooking using their horse as a couch. <laughs> well, you know, I gotta say, I, I, as long as they're not in anybody's way, I, I, Joy, I have to argue with you. At least they're on their horse. 
That is true. They might not be doing any more it's than quality hold, time. But that it's is quality true. time on your horse. You know, I got to say that, I, I don't know, as long as they get their ride in. Now, if they sit up there for the whole hour and then go untack, that's a different story. But, you know, if they're just hanging out, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too sure about that one. I think it just cracks me up, though, that you just think, you know, Facebooking and texting is just so important. But then you're right. They're spending it with their horse. But I just think it's great. They tack up. They do everything. They go out there. And then they just kick back in the middle of the arena at the halt, getting it done. And then, like you said, who knows if they ride or not. And then they go put their horse away. But there was some quality time, I guess, with the horse as a couch. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's quality time. <laughs> But I that one made me laugh. I go, gosh, even five, six years ago, that one probably wouldn't yeah, have been on here. Texting and you writing know? was not an issue. <laughs> right. Right. So that's or it's that Facebooking and writing or whatever. Absolutely. And this one I think is pretty worthwhile too. Um by the way, blank, I, let yes. me let me throw this in here. You sure. you go to a lot of shows. If you go to a jumper show, a higher level jumper show, all of those professional riders are out there warming their horses up with a phone in the hand, texting at the same time. Yeah, they all true. have their phones out. When they're not jumping a jump, their phones are out. Yeah, that is yeah. a good point. Yeah, they are. Well, work still has to get done, right? And that's the leash we all have now. It's our burden. Uh, we all have it on us, and so we're getting work done. We're multi. We're really good at multitasking. I got to tell you, when we were on our cruise a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was seven nights, and you know we really didn't have phone service except maybe in port uh, one day. So. But I still had my phone. See, the thing is, I thought, well, I'm not going to bring my phone. I can just leave it in the room, right? But then you want to take pictures. Yes. So you, you still have your phone. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. You do. You have it on you all the time. But you're right. It's good for pictures and video and all that kind of stuff. We actually went to a wedding this past weekend, and it was the same thing. It was up in the mountains where there was no cell service, but we all still had our phones on us because we wanted to snap well, shots. Let's be honest. There are better cameras than most of the cameras we own. <laughs> I would like, agree. Yep. And they fit in your pocket a whole lot better. Right. <laughs> so lots of good things to it. So this next one, we're coming out of the season, but I think it's a really good one to put on, especially here in Colorado where our temperature changes are so drastic, is if you're going to blanket your horse, you kind of have to commit to the unblanketing of your horse when it's a nice day. Because otherwise, they're going to end up sweating under them. And I think that that's a really good pet peeve um, because it's really something that, again, could injure the horse over time, you know. Okay, um, so I have to take that. the other side of this. And sure. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. And this is a tough one because, we, you know, we did run a boarding stable. And these people have jobs. So if they would, you know, they couldn't come out in the morning for whatever reason and they needed a blanket on overnight. But, however, then you need to make arrangements with somebody to get it taken up. You know, so I know a lot of barns charge a couple bucks a day for sure. blanketing. And we didn't. But And even if they didn't ask us, we just were like, oh, you know, we would take it off anyway because we just see, see the horse sweat to death. So, you know, we would do it anyway. But, yeah, that is a tough – and, you know, it's a tough one for people who, who work and have jobs. I agree. And I think a lot of the boarding barns, though, are really good to do that. I don't see any reason why you can't charge, you know, an extra $30 a month for blanketing services. And that means that I'll take it on and off when I deem it should be taken on and off based on temperature. I agree. And I bet a lot yeah. of people would pay that extra 30 bucks, knowing that they don't have to rush out there. So I, I think, yeah, and I, you know, it is extra hassle. It is extra. And they usually only charge one to two dollars a day anyway. But, right. But, you know, it all, it all adds up. But uh, it is extra hassle when you when you have 30 horses out there or 40 horses out there. Yes. 
I agree. And this one, this one makes me laugh. It reminds me, and I'm going to age myself here, but that really old um, soap opera from a long time ago, though I'm going to change the wording just a little bit. As the arena turns, <laughs> so are the days of our lives. So this my mom one used to watch that every day. I know. That's why I, my mom did too. So that's why it was like on my brain when I read this one, because it's all about, you know, the gossip and the, the border drama and the stirring up the resentment. And I don't think that that's just a horse pet peeve. I think anytime you get a group of people together in an environment, you can talk about office, right? Water cooler gossip. I mean, all this kind of stuff. It's I think why it's I don't people. accept board assignments for boards for, for anything, because yes. it's just politics. Yes. We say every, you know, we always say more than two people, you have politics. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I agree. It's true. I mean, in families and whatever, right? Yeah, uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. But then, well, and then the, but then there's oh, some people that just live for that at the barn, right? They're oh, the ones okay. who just live for it. They love stirring the pot. Yep. That's fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Well, I think this is good. This is um, some auditors that all got in together, Claire, Brenna, a bunch of them. And they said, oh, my goodness, wear proper attire when you're around the horses. And that is true. How many times have you heard of people wearing their flip flops or their Crocs and then getting stepped Dr. on? Dr. Wendy Ying, host of the driving radio show. Calling her out. Oh, here. there you go. She just will go. not wear shoes. She wears flip flops everywhere. Yes. And sometimes, right? You're going to. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of time. But she's a veterinarian. She should know better. Yeah, absolutely. I think when she does her vet calls, she actually wears shoes. But right, <laughs> <laughs> probably for professional. You know, the other thing is, we live in Florida. There are there are fire ants everywhere in Florida. Everywhere you walk, I would not walk Ooh. around here in my bare feet on our farm just because of that. <laughs> it's just, That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Well, and then the other one, and this was so funny. I think here in Colorado, we get so few days of hot enough to wear shorts. We get a lot of sun, but so few days of hot enough to wear shorts that people love to ride their horses in their shorts. So they'll wear their paddock boots or their Western boots, and then they'll wear their shorts. And it just is like, oh my gosh, is that not hurting you to ride in your saddle in your shorts? I mean, it just looks very uncomfortable to me. But uh, We you live know, in whatever. Florida. You see that every day. <laughs> Oh, but I've tried it before. I don't know. Maybe I just don't have Jennifer, you know, calluses does, on my Jennifer does it, but she'll put her half chaps on. Right, on top yeah. of her shorts. Absolutely. I used to yeah. do that in California, too. Yeah. I mean, it's so hot here. You can, <laughs> In the summertime, you're lucky you get on your horse at all. Yes. And then this is a good one. This is wildly inconsistent feeding times. You know, they say roughly every 12 hours, it's really good. By the way, I just have to throw in on the last That's one. Uh, us carriage drivers can wear our shorts anytime and don't yes, have to wear them. You do <laughs> so not. I'm just throwing that in there. You are, but you should still not wear flip flops because you got to no, get off and head the horse at some I, point. <laughs> I used to own Percherons. There's no way in heck I was not wearing shoes because they would get you every once in a while and oh, that was bad. So that would break every bone in your foot. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, you're fine. The wildly inconsistent feeding times from Claire, I think, is really good, too. You know, roughly, it's nice to have the 12 hours in between, you know, eight hours, whatever. But if you're feeding one day at noon and then in the evening at four, that's a really long time for the horse to have to wait to eat, right? And then meanwhile, they're going to start picking up habits like wood chewing and those kinds of things. So I think that that's actually a pretty pretty good pet peeve, very warranted. Yeah, and, um, you know, that's tough because you're relying on the boarding barn. And if the boarding barn's kind of sloppy, then maybe look for another one because that is affecting your horse's health. And usually we found if they're sloppy on that kind of stuff, they're sloppy on everything. Yes. Uh, like the water, the outside water troughs aren't filled or cleaned and stuff like that. 
Yeah, all those things. And That's this another is one pet that I th- peeve of mine is outsor- outside water troughs, whether automatic or not, not, not scrubbed with a brush. I agree. And I'll tell you, every now and then you find, find dead and floating critters in them, like birds. And we check ours every squirrels. day on our back paddock because it's way back there and it's under trees. And we have found dead birds and stuff in it. So we check yeah. it every day. Yeah, Absolutely. Every day it should be checked. Or the owls, which we have a plenty of in the hawks, uh, drop, uh, drop their remnants in there after they're done for some reason. Yes. We found that before, too. <laughs> yes. And I don't know about you all, but I wouldn't want to drink water that had that stuff in it. Well, plus, it's probably not real good. Some of those no. little rodents carry things. Absolutely. So being able to do that. And again, you're right. If you're at a boarding barn, you know, there are probably others if it really gets to be bad in that way. And this is a minor one, but I think that it's something that also really um, is kind of important. And it's for those of you that cross tie your horses, the quick release snap, actually, if you only have two, one for either rope, should not be connected to the halter of the horse. It should be connected to the wall. And the reason for that is that if your horse is truly flailing around, you're not going to be able to get to its head, but you can hopefully get to the wall, undo it, and then you have a lead rope. So I love that one. That, yeah, that one's is a good a one. Great safety one. Jennifer, even, she doesn't even trust those quick release snaps. She puts the baler twine between the quick yes. release snap and the thing. So she, she has the double protection there. And that baling twine, that's so good even if you hard tie your horses, because if your horse ever does have a pullback moment that any horse can have when they get panicked, you know, horses are intrinsically claustrophobic, that if they have that pullback moment and all of a sudden the quick release, you know, gets tighter, which sometimes it will do, if they're attached to that baling twine, it'll snap and then they just kind of stand there and go. The oh, problem I'm, we're having now, talk about modern problems, third or first world problems, is the hay now is using that plastic uh, bailing twine a lot of times and yes. that does not break so yeah it's one thing you have to watch and then the other thing is the last ship that we got in was wire oh boy metal wire we had to get bolt cutters out i it's the first we had seen of that yeah i don't recall ever having that i, I didn't know if it was a great idea <laughs> having the wire around you know i i don't know yeah, I'm not sure either. Well, especially because you undo it and it's under that compacted pressure. You have to kind of get out of the way. The wire might get you. These weren't that tight. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. That's good because yeah. that would that would worry me a little bit too. Well, this is another great safety one. Again, auditors for Horse Radio Network are on fire. This is a great one. This is leaving halters on horses when they're turned out. And unless they're breakaway halters, they really, that's incredibly dangerous. They can get hung up when they're scratching their um, face with their hind foot. They can get hung up on things out in the pasture. So I love that one. That was a yeah, great one. Yeah, you see that one a lot. Uh, yes. And, and, you know, and the other thing, and then can I throw this in, and you probably have it on your list, but we have seen so many people hauling their horses in trailers with non-breakaway halters. Yes. With regular oh. nylon halters, no leather tops or anything. Yes. Uh, something's going to break if that yes. horse goes down. And sometimes they even do it in rope halters, the trailer and rope halters. Yeah, which talk is a about serious that. no-no. Yeah. Oh, absolutely yeah. not, because then you've got those pressure points. Yeah. Now we're going to hurt the horse, right, for no reason. So, yeah. You know, we, no, used, very, the, very good. we used the Monty Roberts dually halters, but, I mean, they come with warnings everywhere. Do not trailer in these. We use them yes. for training, but, you know, never use them. They never left on. You know, they're used for training. That's it. <laughs> and the breakaway halters are great because you can buy an extra piece of that leather and you can just have those around and you can just keep re-adding them if your horse ha- does pull uh, back or if Jennifer's there's an incident. current horse, Nigel, and his trailer loading issues, he's broken a few of those. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And it's okay because that's much better than breaking his pole, yeah. right? The bone in between his ears or whatever else. So it's actually, yeah, 
It's a good thing. And then this is another great one um, from an auditor. This is from Calia. She says, for your vet and farrier's sake, try to make sure that you handle your horse in between the vet and farrier <laughs> visits. I thought that was really fun because it's true, right? Some people maybe don't see their horse on a very often occasion. And then the poor vet and farrier having to train the horse to just stand there. And so that's that's a little rough. My guess is that uh, the people who listen to this show are not having that problem. No, yeah. I bet you our yeah. people are go, go, go. Yeah. Yes. And they know how to make they sure that the horse They would be listening to our stands. show. Absolutely. Right. They sure would not. They would say, no, thank you. Super good. So then... Um, there's a few others on here that I think are also really good. Let me just turn my page. Are there We've any complaining about instructors? Oh, no, not yet. But I'm <laughs> sure there will be in a moment. Let me turn oh, good, the page. I have a, one for that. I'll yeah. Save <laughs> okay, you save it for our, our transition. It'll be a good transition. This is a good one. Canines, having those lovely dogs that come and are unfortunately off leash. And I've got a couple of stories about this. So I have a client. Um, she'll know who she is if she listens to the show. And that's okay because she teases me and I tease her about her fabulous dog. Um, her dog is, well, um, he's has some issues, but we love him. He is part German Shepherd and part, I don't even know. And he's very, very sweet. But he does things like run, run, run really, really fast, duck underneath the wire at my barn. Well, it's electric. And even if it's turned off, then he's opening his mouth with his tongue hanging out and he cuts his mouth because he gets flipped by the wire by his mouth. Okay, that's not good. And then another time we're out riding in the round pen and her daughter's up on my school horse socks and we're riding around in the round pen and he's running around the round pen trying to nip at the heels. And I said, I say, you've got to put this dog on a leash. And she's like, oh, he's fine. So I take my whip and I'm like, man from Snowy River, bam. And I crack my lunge whip and it hits this dog right on the nose. It was great. And he goes, yipe, yipe, yipe and ran away. And now he stays right by the car. It was great. But you cannot have your dogs loose and running around because that just creates more havoc and those types of things. Yeah, we had one at the well, actually when when we sold our big farm and we uh, Jennifer was boarding at the one place. I had this white dog. Oh, I'm going to call her out. Her name's Christine. She's actually a good <laughs> friend too. But her white dog just was nuts. <laughs> just I ran everywhere, scared the crap out of every horse on the farm. So, oh yeah, sorry, Christine. So that's that's a good one. Well, and you know, it is it is a good idea. I mean, dogs can come, and some boarding barns allow it as long as they're but on leash. But some dogs are well really, behaved. really good. It depends oh, absolutely. on the dog. Yes. And some will come and be right next to you without a leash. So they're almost like they are being leashed. And that's, of course, obviously really, really good, too. So I love Jen's. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Jen's My right wife, now. Jen? Uh-huh. Okay. Riders with bad hands, seesawing, <laughs> bouncing up and down, waving randomly, seemingly glued to their kneecaps. Uh, she I love hates how she wrote that. Riders. She love it. hates seesaw riders. It, when we go to jumper shows, she just cringes. Uh, there's because a lot of jumpers do that, and whew, she doesn't like that. Yes, no. And I learned. I actually can tell. I I and I got this from her. I really like quiet riders. I really like to see the rider. I really like that when you're watching them do a, do a jumping round or whatever, dressage or whatever, that you're not even noticing the rider because they're so quiet. Uh, Correct. Yeah, that, I don't know, but it's that's fluid. just our personal thing. 
No, I think that's really good. And, you know, a pet peeve of mine is then somebody says, well, my horse just needs a bigger bit or a stronger bit or a harsher bit. And it's like, no, you just need to learn how to ride better and use your seats and your legs and not your hands. And it's going to work out. What do instructors say? 80% of the time, it's not the horse. Correct. Is it 80 or is that higher or lower now? No, I think I think 80 is still right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. And then this was a great run from Joyce. Again, such a good safety one. I shut her when I see a hanging halter. So in other words, you're just taking your horse out for a ride, whether they're in the cross ties and you've left the halter hanging in the cross ties, or whether it's hanging where the um, where you quick you're doing a quick release knot, so you're hard tying your horse wherever. Then other people coming by, things can get caught, right? And they can get caught on that halter. And again, without a breakaway, um, that nylon does not come apart. So then you, you might have all kinds of issues. So being able to take all of that tack and put it up nicely, and especially inside barns, whether it's your own barn or whether it's barns where you share, the cinches left on the ground and gurus on the ground over time are going to ruin them. And then in Western saddles, you actually take your fender and you put it up and over the seat of your saddle. And over time, you're going to roll that stirrup jockey on your saddle and you're going to ruin it. So keeping everything neat, putting your breast collars up and attaching them, you know, having everything up and off the ground, putting your saddle pad upside down so all the sweat doesn't go back on your saddle, putting the girth or cinch upside down and tied nicely up to the saddle um, or in English just on top of it, but not attached because then it ruins the billet straps. So all those kinds of things based on the type of saddle you own, well, boy, you can keep your saddle forever if you do stuff like that. Was that you Joyce? You really, really can. Was that Joyce that did that one? Um, yes, it was yeah, Joyce. She's Joyce following McKinney. me around a barn. Joyce, stop following me around a barn. Yes, that's who it was, which I think <laughs> that's good. Though. I may leave the halter on the thing. When I, take uh-huh. it I may uh-huh. do that. I, I might do it. But then but we're know, not at a boarding barn either. Correct. And if no yeah. one else is going to come up, I mean, maybe yeah. that's okay. I wouldn't do that if but... we were at a boarding barn where other people are using the cross ties. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And could I just share one more and yep. then you can go ahead and do your Well, I'm going to wait for mine till we get Joanne on here shortly. Oh, you are. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You want to hear her I want to hear her opinion so on good. this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So it is not a dismounting block. It's a mounting block. <laughs> you do not dismount onto the mounting well, except block. Except if you're old like me. Then. <laughs> no, we do not do that, Glenn. It is not ergonomically safe or correct for you to do so. <laughs> You and why that's why I'm in a carriage. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I love it. All right, I let's uh, let's talk in. about uh before we get Joanne on here, we're going to we're going to switch gears and we're actually going to do the instructor's pet peeves, uh, which I can't wait to hear. Um so uh, we're coming out in October, right? So excited. Yes, to our big international conference, um, which we have every fall. And this year, we're going to be celebrating our 50th anniversary. CHA has been around certifying instructors for 50 years. And we're going to be doing that at the Kentucky Horse Park. And we're going to have a live radio show. I cannot wait. That's right. Who's going to co-host? Oh, you and I. That's right. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) That's going to be fun. Now, where can people find out if they live in that area? Uh, Anybody's welcome. See, that's a cool thing about your conference, which makes it completely different than any other industry conference. Yes, you do not have to be a member. Now, there is a member discount because we want to please our members. But no, anyone can come. Um, You don't have to be an instructor. There's so much education involved that has nothing to do with being a professional. hands-on stuff, which is different, too. It's not just sitting in classrooms. Yeah, Yeah. we ride horses the entire time. And so midway 
University, which is located there in Lexington, is bringing their horses, which is super, um, and all their students to kind of help with all of that. But yes, please. Where will the riding part be at the park? It's going to be at the park at the covered arena um, that has the club lounge attached to it. Yeah, really nice spot. That's where we have our media center during uh, Rolex. Yes, it's a really lovely place. Great. So anybody who wants to just go to CHA.horse and look up our educational um, conference just under international conference. You'll see it on the homepage. It's pretty obvious. And you can come and play for a day with us or the full time, whatever works in your schedule. Sounds terrific. Well, let's, uh, and you got that new website address, CHA.horse. It's so easy to remember now. Thank you very much. Oh, it's so cool. And for anybody who wants a .horse domain name, for anybody listening that thinks that that would be a cool thing to do, if you go on our site and go to the bottom of the homepage and click on the .horse icon, you can get it at a very inexpensive rate with a promotion that they're doing with us as a partner. So please check that out because you might as well save some bucks when you get your domain name. .horse. Cool. All right, let's uh, let's go next to our guest. So excited to introduce Joanne Young today. Joanne Young is clinic staff for us and a master instructor. She's been teaching riding and training horses for over forty years. And you know what she put in her bio, which I love, Glenn. She is happy that she is still learning, constantly learning. She is privileged. She's in the right job then. (laughs) Oh, she is because she runs Houghton College and Houghton College is in Houghton, New York. And she actually is an author of an MA thesis preparing students for writing instructor certification through college curricula. So they certify all of their graduating seniors in not only our standard English Western program, but also our equine facility manager certification. So it is just a pleasure to have her on today. Hi, Joanne. How are you? I'm doing great, Christy. Good to hear your voice. So I want to go ahead and let Glenn, we were talking earlier in the show about one that he has a pet peeve about instructors. So Glenn, what is that? Okay, this is my biggest pet peeve. And this is not CHA level instructors, but this is, I'd say lower level instructors. You got the 20 something year old instructor who's sitting on the fence, chatting with her friends while the group lesson is going on and she's half paying attention. Not a good thing. Drives me insane. And I sit there wondering why those kids are still taking lessons with that person. You know, and it just drives me crazy. So I agree 100%. You can have the bullhorn (laughs) one that sits in the arena in a chair and a bullhorn. No, seriously, Joanne and I have seen this. That's also not good. Uh, You've got the ones that are on their cell phone while they're supposed to be teaching. Okay, in a court of law, that's called distracted. That's not good. That's a distraction, the cell phone. So, and then ones that yell at you really loud and are say mean things, that's not good. Either. But at least those, that group is paying attention. <laughs> I think standing on the fence and chatting with friends comes under the same distraction quality legally as chatting on the cell phone. With I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. If not worse, actually, uh, you know, because it just drives me crazy. Anyway, sorry, that was my biggest one. Uh, No, I think that makes sense. So, Joanne, how about if we dive right in? What are some? You've had so much experience, and this has been your career and your passion your entire life. What are some pet peeves around the barn and solutions to solve them that you have today? Well, I will freely admit that I'm as human as the next person, and so I remember whenever I point a finger at anybody, a thumb and three fingers are pointing back at me. Very good. So to help solve these problems, I try to make accountability committee of the whole where we try and politely but persistently keep each other accountable. 
uh, to paraphrase from one of Peter's epistles in the New Testament, and when, uh, from Paul's rather, Peter first said, you're not supposed to change anything in the Bible, not a jot or a tittle, but I'm going to paraphrase from one of Paul's epistles where he said, and when I became a man, I put away childish things. And it translates into CHA terms. And when I became an instructor, I put away childish things and put away and put away and put away and put away. The groom boxes that get left in the aisle, the halters that get left hanging on either the tie rope in the stall or the cross tie in the barn aisle, the whips that get left by the outdoor arena rail instead of being put back in the whip rack in the indoor. The whole putting things back where they belong so the next time somebody needs them, you can find them. Yes, very true. And also, we had talked about the halters and things as a safety issue, too. So oh, lots absolutely. of Yeah. I agree 100%. And I loved how you said, you know, we're all human. So we're all going to maybe sometimes do these things. I think the big one that I see a lot is when we're around our own horse and we know our horse really well, our safety gets a little more lax. So we might just let them be led behind us, not really paying attention to them. We might duck under the lead rope when they're tied. We might, you know, saddle from the offside on a horse that we normally wouldn't do that with because, again, it's just us. And we're just like, yeah, let's just try this today. And again, that's okay if it's just you. I'm, you're probably not going to sue yourself if you get hurt. But the minute you become an equine professional, it's a whole different thing. Now you have those clients to worry about and you have those students that are you're a mentor to them. Wouldn't you agree, Joanne? Absolutely. And there is the other factor too. There can be many times when you think you're all by yourself and nobody sees what you're doing and you take that shortcut. And next thing you know, somebody's doing that very same thing in a very inappropriate place and time. You go to reprimand and then they say, but I saw you do it. <laughs> yes. What are you going to say then? Yes. And I feel it comes under the same category as the only time I don't lock my car when I get out of it is in the garage at my house. Even if I'm on campus where it's perfectly safe, because I know that if I don't make myself do it every single time I park anywhere except in the garage, I'm going to be somewhere where it's vital that I do lock my car and I will forget. And I think the same thing holds true with our safety rules around the barn. The minute we let down and say now is okay to make an exception, we've already made a crack in our habits so that we're going to sooner or later fail to do it at a time when it's vital that we do. So we need to be totally consistent, which is humanly impossible, but we need to try and get as close as we can. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And I think horses kind of bring that out in us if we can, because if we're really consistent, they also will be really consistent because they can be quite consistent with each other. Not necessarily with us, but they're pretty consistent in who the alpha is in the herd, for example, if they're all turned out together, things like that. Yep, for sure. Well, we for had sure. quite a few CHA instructors say quite a few really good things um, when we did our ask the other day. So we can go ahead and kind of jump into some of these. I love what Delena said um, about leading more than one horse at the same time and how many people do that. A lot of us, right? It's easier. Every day. But, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so I was easier gonna, until the first time it goes wrong and you end up in the hospital. Yeah. 
And that's what tends to stop us sometimes is when that happens, right? I used to work at Medieval Times. I bring it up on the show a lot because it was an entertaining place. And I'm walking down a concrete ramp to get to the arena because we did not have mats on it and we didn't have dirt. And I'm leading two Andalusian stallions. One of their name is Insolente, which is shows you how he was and we're leading them and they're fighting behind me and I'm saying quit it knock it off don't do that oh my gosh and I was 16 at the time so in retrospect I'm thinking wow that probably wasn't the best thing (laughs) to be doing you know what I'm thinking Christy your guardian angels had tattered wings from working triple overtime that day I think you're right about that I think they had uh, triple wings for the entire time I worked at medieval times but yes I learned a lot it was a great learning experience and but you know the show must go on And it was truly, we have to do shortcuts because, you know, this is going faster than we anticipated tonight. You know, grooming this horse took too long, whatever the case may be. So we did these shortcuts and sometimes, boy, we could have definitely been put in harm's way. You know, uh, we we live near a bunch of polo facilities and they they take six or eight at a time. (laughs) It's like, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, if you want to gallop after a ball at somebody who could swing a mallet at you and knock your head off... Probably safety isn't the top priority. <laughs> that's true. To start that's with. true. Yeah, that's the safest <laughs> thing they do bulls. is leading six horses. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I I would throw in a quote from my favorite mentor Walter Zettel about this time. Any take time you take a shortcut in your training or teaching, you are cutting something off you're going to need later, and it won't be there, and it's very difficult or sometimes impossible to put back. That is a really, really, really good point. Um, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. So this one Cheryl brought up, and I think it's a good one. And, you know, not a lot of us do it. And there's a reason why they're there. So the keepers on your bridles, whether in English it's your nose band or whether it's your cheek pieces or whatever the case may be, your throat latches in both Western and English have them. There's a reason why those keepers are there and it's to attach the flapping bits of leather because by the horse's eye, when that leather is flapping, it actually does bug quite a few of them. And we tend to think that we're desensitizing them, but I don't know. Are there any other tack issues like that that you have, Joanne? Well, when people come off a cross-country course and dismount to let their horse start catching his breath, they usually undo the noseband for the sake of letting them breathe easier and calm their body down sooner. And back in the day when I taught the eventing class, I was adamant, if you do that, you must then wrap the noseband around the cheek piece and buckle it. So if the horse shakes his head at the sweat dripping down his face or to fly, it can't flip up and hit him in the eye. That's a really good point. Very much so. And I think the same thing goes, you know, in Western, we have a tendency to not always need our back cinches, right? I mean, back cinches are for going up and down steep hills and maybe using the horn to dally a calf off of things like that. So sometimes we, first of all, have our back cinch maybe too loose where a horse could get a hind foot caught in it, which of course is very dangerous if they go to scratch their belly with their hind foot. But then we might take the hind cinch off entirely and now you have the flaps that are just flapping against the horse's sides right there so removing those entirely too is a really good idea yeah yes absolutely another one joanne that i think is so important and i don't know what your opinion is on this one but bridling the horse while it's still tied that depends a whole lot on a whole set of circumstances but my preference is I don't want it. So if something spooks the horse and it sets back, 
I'm between what it's tied to and its feet. Because then you're in a danger zone, and if you've got the bridle halfway on, you've got no way out. My preference is if, if I'm going to bridle the horse and he's on cross ties, undo the cross ties, undo the buckle on the crown piece of the halter, slip it around the horse's neck and buckle it back up. So you have the lead rope you can catch him with. You can put the reins over his neck and bridle him and then undo the halter. I've seen not people I was supervising, but in other places and trying to bridle the horse while they're tied. 90% of the time can go smooth as slick grease in a warm skillet. But the one time that it doesn't and the horse decides to throw his head up to get away from the bit and his head is restrained by the halter or whatever around his neck and he flies backwards because now he's claustrophobic, you can get a really messy wreck going and it's probably going to result in injury to the person, most likely injury to the horse's neck and very possibly if the horse busts something and flips over, major injury to the horse and a broken tree on the saddle. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, I agree with you, Joanne. And so we say the same thing, you know, if you're not cross tying them, if you're hard tying them, undo that quick release and then just have it hang there. Um, go ahead and put it over the neck of the horse. Go ahead and put it over your shoulder as long as it's not wrapped around you and then bridle your horse, take off the halter and go on your way. Or if you ride with a halter under, like they do in a lot of trail ride operations, right. no problem. But still undo the lead rope, go ahead and leave that halter on underneath, put the bridle on and then away you go. So yes, I yeah. would I would completely agree. And again, these are ones um, from safety a whole lot as instructors that we see our students do. And we just don't want to see our students getting hurt, um, of course, or their horses getting hurt. So we have this, right. but I'll tell you, I think one of the number one pet peeves of instructors and Joanne, I'm just going to throw this out to you because I'm sure you've heard it a lot is blaming the horse. Uh, that's a hot button for me. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime somebody blames the horse to me, it's a big reveal of ignorance on their part of a, how horses think and react and b what they actually were doing to the horse. Yes. And I had a great, the other thing is if people say, that stupid horse did that for no reason. Well, we might not have figured out what his reason was, but he did have a reason or he wouldn't have done it. There was a reason. I was teaching a young lady the other day, really nice pony, nice young lady doing some dressage work, doing a great job, going along and... Um, there was the mounting block and it was outside the rail, which is good versus inside where we could trip over it and hurt ourselves. So it's outside. Everything's good. And she's going around it, tracking left. So everything's fine. We reverse about, cause I like to reverse a lot about five, 10 minutes in we reverse. We're going the other way. And the horse is this gigantic spook. And she goes, stupid horse. You just saw it. And I said, ah, ah, ah. and we had a conversation about how they see because mm -hmm. the horse saw it totally differently out of the other eye. And I think people don't realize that, that they don't realize that when you reverse, the horse sees it very differently. So I thought that that was a good teaching moment. We were talking earlier in the show, Glenn and I, about education. And a lot of these pet peeves, the solutions are to educate. So that was a fun Absolutely. teaching moment. Have you had things like yes. that come up that you want to share? Well, if someone is going to switch the whip from one side to the other and the horse has never had that done before, or if they're going to carry a whip on a horse that's never had a whip carried on it before from the saddle, I make sure that part of the introduction before they get on is to stroke the horse on the neck, the shoulders, the ribs, and the top of the rump while talking soothingly and petting their neck uh, from the ground before you get on. While most horses, under, especially lesson horses, understand 
that a whip or a crop is an extension of the rider's body to help them communicate more effectively. You never know when a horse might interpret that as a predator about to strike. And so it's very important to desensitize them to that. A big pet peeve of mine, and it's an aesthetic thing and it's a balance thing, is when people are carrying an eventing whip or a dressage whip and they want to switch from one hand to the other, the hand carrying the whip goes way up in the air to clear the tip of the whip over the neck and then comes down. So at one point in time, it looks like they're raising their hand to ask permission to leave the classroom from the teacher (laughs) because to do that makes it awkward off balance. And then the tip of the whip is up where if the horse makes a sudden move, your hand is going to move and it may well hit him in the ears or the side of the head. Um, Molly Severate, when she was here from England teaching a clinic, said you put both reins in the whip hand. Then you take the free hand, reach across the neck with your thumb, the highest point, and your pinky to the outside, the palm facing forward. And you grasp the handle of the whip below your hand holding the rein and the whip, pull the handle down. Then you move the tip of the whip up in the air over the horse's neck and your hand can stay down by the withers. And I make my students actually practice that until they can do it smoothly while sitting on a chair. Yes, that's a great idea. Absolutely. And they should be able to do it smoothly enough that eventually they can do it walk, track, canter, which is super. They can desensitize their horse to that. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. You know, I thought Kathy's was so funny on here, Joanne. She said, when will boarders and even my staff learn how to correctly roll a hose? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. So many hoses ruined because of being rolled backwards, you know, the opposite way. and, And then they get cracked. Yes. Yes. And along with that is mine. It's not a crack thing. It's a royal pain in the next thing. And that is at Barnes, where they use polo wraps to wrap them up correctly. Yes. Because otherwise you can think our own way is correctly. (laughs) Um, And one of my pet peeves is when they just roll it up without first back fastening the Velcro hook to the fuzzy part yes. so that it can't stick on the fuzzy part of the polo, but only the fuzzy strip of Velcro. And then you roll the Velcro into the middle. So you have the ball of it in your hand and the flat strip against the horse's leg to make it easier to get even tension the whole way. And then when you're done wrapping, there's the Velcro correctly positioned to put on the horse's leg. Now, if somebody rolls it the opposite, so the Velcro's on the outside instead of the middle of your, you know, on the outside of the part of the strip that's being wrapped instead of the inside, the center of it. You can, when you get to the end and you find the Velcro's on the wrong side of the polo, just do a single twist to make it work. But then you got to pray that that twist is going to go over bone and not over tendon. Yes, that's a really good one. And then also polo wraps being put away. We have a lot of uh, lovely little things that we call goat heads out here and it's not a goat and it's not the head of a goat it's a little sticker and those stickers are like foxtails and they get into those polo wraps and oh my gosh now you're putting basically prickly things on your horse's front cannon bones and your horse probably is not going to like that so making sure if you're going to go out somewhere where there's foxtails or goat heads don't use polo wraps use something else like a sport medicine boot or something like that that's going to not hopefully pick up as many of those little nasty guys yes or if you haven't got that, if you've got some kind of nylon sleeve cover that can go over the polo. 
Yes, that can kind of let it it. brush off. That's a great idea. Well, I know that um, some of the sports medicine boots, they sell them to go over the sports medicine boots so the sand doesn't get into the exterior part that the Velcro fastens to, which Uh, eventually destroys the stick-to-itiveness. It seems like you could use it over either one. Yes, I think that's a great idea. And then we had um, Marsha, which I thought was really good, leading horses at the snap of the lead rope so that they can't move. So basically going back to that claustrophobic thing Glenn and I were talking about earlier, you know, horses get a little claustrophobic. So being able to have it more like 12 inches away where you lead them, of course, is a whole lot better um, than right at the snap of the lead rope. It's not just the horse's claustrophobia, although that is a vital part of it. But if your hand is on the snap and something spooks that horse, you could get your arm jerked out of the shoulder socket as effectively as though you were holding them by the chin strap of the halter itself. Right. And the, the snap, if it's the trigger snap kind, that little button that sticks out can rip up your fingers pretty good, I would think. Yeah, and leading without a lead rope. We see that a lot, don't we, Joanne? And that's, just like you said, that's danger. Very dangerous. Um, and the same principle applies to leading by the lead rope snap right up close. If you don't let go and the horse throws his head up, his feet are coming right down on yours because that's going to pull you right in front of the middle of his chest. And I'll tell you another one that's going to go back to more kind of the hose thing um, is the hay string idea. We talked about them earlier, how they're great to be able to use for certain things, but not the plastic ones, but ones that actually break, like to use as a quick release and things if you have a horse that maybe pulls back. But, oh, the hay strings that are left on the ground and then a horse can eat them and cause choke. We had a horse actually at one of the barns where I worked that unfortunately um, one of our advanced students fed the evening before and it was getting kind of twilight and they didn't see the hay go with that last flake of hay the hay string and the next day the hay string was gone well we didn't know well rocky the horse had eaten the hay string and he ends up colicking really severely we don't know why he's colicking he didn't choke he colicked we went ahead and we ran the gallon of mineral oil into him and i'll tell you it came out in his manure we took that hay with that manure we framed it in one of those shadow boxes and we put it Uh up in the staff lounge and said this is why we picked you didn't Oh, yes, we did. What a wonderful yes, object lesson, though. A little the horse, stinky, but very oh, pertinent. And he didn't die. I mean, he didn't He didn't have to have colic surgery. I mean, it was amazing. But can you imagine if all that had been wrapped around his intestine? Oh, my gosh. It was lucky he lived. Lucky. Yes. Very, very fortunate. The other problem with not disposing properly of hay strings, um, occasionally if you have a loose bale up in the hay mound and the string comes off, you need to get it out of there and put it in the trash because the next person up there, particularly if it's not real bright light up there, might not see it, step in it, and they go to walk and they trip and fall and injure themselves. Good point. Um, and they, you also don't want to leave the hay strings around on the floor when you're breaking up the bales to feed the horses in their stalls because you don't want anybody to trip and fall. It would be a big liability, and I would think under... If someone got injured that way, you'd be liable for negligence. Okay, so I have to ask you before we run out of time, is there one or two things that you can think of in your years there at the college that were just like moments that you just couldn't believe what they were doing? I mean, you, it, you couldn't even wrap your head around it. Okay, I'm going to go all the way back to when I was a college student and I was training horses at exchange for my room and board at college. 
and showing them on the quarter horse circuit. The children that were relatives of the people I were training for came to visit. And I was instructed to tack up the oldest and best trained, quietest horse of the three that I was training for them at the time and let the kids have a ride. And I said, well, I'll walk with them. And they said, no, no, no. Honeymoon is quiet enough. They, they can ride her by herself. You just, they each get a lap around the driveway. You just wait up here. You don't have to walk with them. Okay. Honeymoon was that quiet. I was that young and inexperienced. So I let them go. Well, the one wanted to walk along with her sister while she was having a turn. They got to the midway point of the big driveway loop and decided they would change places. So the one got off, knelt on the ground and put her hands on the ground to be a step stool for her sister to step on her back to reach the stirrup to mount up. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Nobody got hurt. I was praying right out loud, really hard. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Honeymoon, don't move your feet. I never made that mistake again, ever. <laughs> you know, they had done that before. They, 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 that was just a natural thing for them. <laughs> <laughs> I think crazy. I got my first three gray hairs that day. Well, you know, it's a new version of leg up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> But that's so true. And people that kneel around their horse all the time to put on the polo wraps or whatever they're doing, they put their hands on the ground by the hooves that you're going, oh, boy, let's not let something right now spook that horse. Well, you know, have you seen the ads um, one of the companies puts out about colic insurance and they say no horse has ever colic until the first time they do? Yes. Well, the people that say, but I always do it this way. My horse would never step on me. My horse would never spook. My horse would never pull back. And he never will until the first time he does. <laughs> yes. That's a good place to end, actually, right there. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. It sums it all up, Joanne. Yep. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for the opportunity, Christy. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and Glenn. All right. Take care. Well, she was great. That was fun. And what a fun episode again. And I think we've covered a lot of gripes. And uh, But you know what? That was near all of them. <laughs> so. Oh, no. There are many, many more. But it's just so fun to kind of share a few. And I love how they touch not just riding and training, and but just even things like the hose. Right? It's great. It's very good. Now, we could ask that same question again uh, about husbands and wives and have a whole nother episode. Oh, that would be a really fun episode. Actually, we should get horse husbands and horse wives on here and have a conversation. That would be really entertaining. You've probably done it on the yeah, other we show. We do it's super a, a, fun. horse husbands episode. So once a month, so we do get our chance to retaliate. Um, I love it. <laughs> we do get to do that, but that's a good that's a good idea. Actually, just uh, you know, asking for their gripes, um, and not even just horse related, but. <laughs> Uh, it's therapeutic. We it probably save marriages. <clears throat> yes, I think right. so. See, yeah. you're in the therapy business. That's right. You didn't even That's know, right. Glenn. I didn't even know. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you so much, uh, Christy, for joining us again. Where can everybody find uh, the CHA? Yes, anybody still looking for clinics, there are still some going on um, in the fall and summer now. They're going to close up a little bit for the summer, but fall they're coming up. And of course, we have all of our educational materials and webinars. That's for anybody who would like to check them out. Go to CHA.horse. 
CHA.horse. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Get your really bad ads in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com for later in the week. And uh, we appreciate you stopping by. Bye, everyone. 